Hi, you're listening to the FASD Success Show with Jeff Noble. Got a great episode today. What if you could sit and talk to somebody who's been a caregiver for 42 years? That's who we're talking today. We're talking to Judy Pekosdi, who has been a caregiver to a young man on the spectrum for 45 years and she has seen and done and heard everything she has just created an information poster with all of her top tips so we're going to sit down and talk to her and we're going to go over all of these tips because they are fantastic and just a little word of caution make sure no children are listening to this because she's 80 years old she doesn't hold back and she's freaking awesome so there is a language warning all right with that said let's get after it Welcome to the FASD Success Show, the only podcast where you can get real-world information about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. This show will help you create calm in the chaos, have hope for the future, and more importantly, save your sanity so you don't lose your flipping mind. Now, here's your host, caregiver turned world FASD educator, Jeff Noble. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 106 is I, Jeff Noble. I am so glad you're here, whether this is your first episode or your 106th episode. Just thank you for taking the time to hang out with me, especially if you're a caregiver. I know how busy you are, so the fact that you spend an hour and a bit with me each week, it really means a lot, and I hope you feel good after this episode because we got a doozy. I hope you're feeling good, and if you're not, I hope you feel better after this. I'm having a fantastic week. We got in some sunworms. Matt, so that's pretty cool. You get the vitamin D. Is it vitamin D? Hope it's vitamin D. Anyway, it feels good on my skin. And it's like a, this immediate mood booster, enhancer. You know, if you don't know, I live in northern Ontario in Canada, and the winters are long and they sure are cold, but like I'm not complaining because I love where I live. But it's good to have the sun out, right? Sun's out, guns out. So Listen here. Listen here. I got a couple things to say, and then we're going to move on because you got to listen to this interview. It's the best. It's the best. First things first, if you like what we're doing here at the FASD Success Show, please do us a favor and subscribe. It means a lot to us, and it also helps you. It helps you because as soon as we drop a brand new episode, boom, it's right in your phone, on your tablet, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It goes there right away. So that's pretty cool. It helps us because it lets the algorithms, the people behind the scenes. I don't think there's people. It's just like numbers and robots. (laughs) I don't know what it is. Anyways, it lets them know that we're relevant. So when people are looking for help and they're searching for FASD information that we pop up and said, hey, some people are listening and subscribing. So do that. And that's really cool for us and for you. What else do I got going on? Oh, oh, yeah. We have a joint Instagram. We have joined Instagram. I know a lot of the mamas are over there and we want to make sure because not everybody uses Facebook and that's totally cool. But if other people are hanging out on Instagram, we want to be there because, you know, we use our social media to give sound bites, to uplift people, you know, just give information and we put videos on there, all that good kind of stuff. And in fact, on our Facebook and I think with our Instagram too, we were doing 30 days of tips. I do I have some short little videos to give you a little insight. So you can find us on Instagram at FASD success. So come follow us, get connected and it'll be great. Okay. What else we got going on? Hmm. Oh, 
Do you remember my friends Olga and Sergey? If you've been following the podcast, you will know that they are a couple from Ukraine. And she is actually alumni of my online coaching program, the Caregiver Kickstart, which we'll talk about that at another time. And so unless you've been living under a rock, you know what's going on in Ukraine. And I had a chance to interview them. And you just go to fasdsuccess.com slash podcast and you can find it. And so what happened, we were following them and they had to leave their apartment in Kiev. They just left. They just left. Imagine that. It's a great interview because another guest, Dr. Christy Petrenko, was doing a webinar for them. And her husband was like, we have to leave. And she was like, not until the webinar is over. So, you know, she's dedicated. Long story short, they had went to their mom's. It got too heavy there. They left to go to Poland. They've been there ever since. But in the first week of May, they are coming over to Canada. And I am so excited because... I am headed down. I think they're staying in Toronto, which is like the capital city. They're going to be there for a few weeks. And it just so happens near the end of May, I'm going to go down there too. So I'm hoping to hook up with them, you know, even get a little bit of that on video and perhaps do an update with the podcast with them as well. So interesting stuff. So in case you were ever wondering what happened, they're on their way to Canada and they're they're actually pretty excited about it, all things considering. So I just wanted to give you that update because I think that's pretty cool in all the awful that is going on. There's at least, you know, there's a little bright spot that's happening there. So I can't wait for that. So I think that's it. I think that's it. Besides, if you're alone, you don't want to be anymore. We have a great Facebook group, over 4,000 members. You can get that on facebook.com slash group slash F-A-S-D forever. So you don't have to be alone. You can hook up with our people there and you basically ask any question you want and you'll get a myriad of answers. Just such a great community. We got some great moderators over there. So, hey, you know, not only do you listen to this podcast, but you don't have to be alone either. You can join us there. You can join us on Instagram. Just come hang out with us, right? I love my saying, you don't have to do it alone, so come do it with us. Now, let's just get right into this. Okay, so we're talking to Judy Pekosdi today. I've known Judy for since I started, and I, in fact, I believe her and her son, Matthew, also speaking at the very first conference that I've ever done too, and she's a pro. She just celebrated her 80th birthday, but in October. So she's 80 years old is, I guess, the point I'm trying to make. She has been a caregiver for, I think it's like 42 years old, 42 years. It could be 45. Anyways, that's a long ass time, okay? And she wanted to leave a bit of a legacy before she left. She's not sure. She said how much time we got. Nobody's really sure. So what her and her son did, Matthew Bacosdi, is they created a poster with all of their best tips. I think it's wonderful. There's nothing like reducing your learning curve as a caregiver trying to figure this out than listening to someone who has been through it all, that has seen it all. And that's what we're going to talk about. She's a former nurse. She started an organization. She's from the Yukon up in Whitehorse. And she's just an amazing lady. Again, I said it at the top of the show in the intro, but I'll say it again. She speaks her mind, so there's some F-bombs, just straight up F-bombs. Just know that that's going on. So if your kids are around, either tell them earmuffs or, you know, just deal with it because I don't censor things because it's just, it's what people are saying and how people are talking. So, and besides, like, if you can't handle, you know, some blue language, like, then do you truly 
truly care for an individual with FASD because listen, <laughs> you know exactly you know exactly what I'm talking about. All right. So with that being said, we're gonna listen to the interview and then we're gonna come back and just go over some of the highlights that she said. But you're really, really going to enjoy this. She doesn't hold anything back. She doesn't pull any punches. Okay. She is old school cool. I love her. So if I'm ready, you're ready. All right. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, here I am. This is a big get here, big fish. I am with, you know, dare I say my friend, FASD advocate, parent. The list goes on and on. Judy Bacosdi. Judy, thanks so much for joining me, buddy. I appreciate this. Thank you so much. Did I just hear we were talking off air? You know, I just like to say that it really means nothing. It's actually before I pressed record. And 80, you're 80 years old. I am 80 years old. In wow. fact, 80 and a bit. <laughs> when was your birthday? October. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. You're into it. You're into it. 80 years old. You don't look a day over 48. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I know just some obscure number, right? Any number right. would have done. Okay. So I'm excited for people to hear you because unless people have had the chance to hear you at a conference, like you don't hold anything back. And as you told me earlier, you're 80 years old. Now you could say whatever you want. Right. And, and right. I think that's right. You've come a long way. In fact, your son, Matthew has also been on our podcast folks. If you want to hear Matthew's story, you can go to fasdsuccess.com slash podcast. And Matthew is episode number 22. So you can hear about his story, but it's good to get Judy's story. And you know, Judy, with this pandemic going on, do you know the last trip that I took was at, in the Yukon? Oh, you lucky duck. That was it. Because it was late February, early March, if I can recall, when I w came to see you guys. And then, you know, shit hit the fan like two weeks later. Yeah. And I haven't been anywhere since until like next month. I'm going somewhere. How have you handled this whole ordeal? Because, I mean, you're up in the Yukon. Did they get it as much? What was your experience? Well, we did. I mean, we didn't have millions of people die, but we did have a fair number. And we certainly stressed the hospital at times, but we have had very good public health program. And so we seemed and because most of our smaller communities are Indigenous, mm -hmm. the Indigenous leaders have made decisions that kept their communities safe, safer, as safe as you could be during yeah. this. And so things have not been as bad as they could have been. And they're certainly lightening up at the moment and things seem to be moving along. How did you deal with it? Because I mean, if the word social person is in the dictionary, there's your picture, you're everywhere, you do all the things. And so did you stay inside? Or were you like, screw it, give me a shot and no, I, I had the shots, of course. And then I worked at the food bank two days a week so I could see most of my friends. Mm -hmm. So it was great. So you, did, you didn't like quarantine. You didn't you made sure you got out at least a couple of times a week. Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah. And I didn't need to quarantine because I went to Victoria twice to visit Matthew during yeah. travel free time. Yeah when it was allowed and I was tested each time and everything and everything worked out perfectly for us. So, and right now feeling in good health. Oh yes, for sure. Got another 80 years in you, I bet. 
Well, a few anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dude, let's get into it, man, because you want to talk about understanding FASD in infancy. When did you first hear of FASD? Because you were a nurse, oh, right? That was in about 1974. I was the head nurse on the children's ward here in Whitehorse, and Dr. Asante came to visit. And within months, he was visiting up here regularly, diagnosing kids and teaching people about FASD. And, and we just moved on from there. Okay. And so, because as a nurse, I'm going to assume that wasn't really brought up in your curriculum in school? Never, never. It had only been labeled or diagnosed in the earlier 70s, right. in the 70s. So... So this no, is like, a, so Dr. Asante then is pretty early in the pioneer in terms yes, of adopting, adopting it. Yeah. Right? And now they have the awesome Asante Center. Right. And we used to have kids when I worked in pediatrics in Toronto, we used to have kids on the ward that we called the FLKs, the funny looking kids. Yeah. And they were so cute and so sweet, but so different. And nobody ever knew what was wrong with them. And so then you get training and was it like you're recognizing a lot of people in the hospital or was it? Yes, we, we diagnosed a large number of kids. I think it was close to 100 within the next few years. And Dr. Asante kept coming every two or three months running clinics. I mean, he came as a visiting pediatrician, so he diagnosed lots of other stuff too. Sure. And then in the early 80s, I was fortunate enough to be a research assistant on his survey of Northern BC and Yukon okay. about disabilities in children. And so we did come up with a big report, you know, the usual reports and recommendations were made and promises were made and never kept and lots of things went forward from there. I, of course, thought I knew everything about FAS just from my exposure on the ward with the kids. Right. I knew I could handle these little kids. So I applied to adopt a kid with FAS because I could fix them. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So you're like, so, I know what's going on. I could do it. Yeah. And so then you adopted Matthew. I did. And how quickly did you find out you didn't know anything? What I was doing? <laughs> <laughs> Very quickly. And let me tell you, all the panic trips to emerge, everyone would say, oh, I thought she was a pediatric nurse. <laughs> right. Did that hit the confidence a little bit from the world? Um, no, actually. I'm amazed that I kept going. I guess I didn't think I had an option. But I mean, I could have stopped the adoption, I guess, but I didn't. And eventually I realized that if we were going to stay together, but this was about by the time he was 10, though, I realized that if we were going to stay together, that something had to change and it wasn't going to be him, obviously. So I became a different person. And Matthew's still shocked. <laughs> because in that 10 years, what was it? Was it arguing? Was it? It was a lot of arguing. It was a lot of very unrealistic expectations on my part, not only of him, but of the world, of the systems that people would provide for him, that they would modify things and 
and understand that it was his actual, the changes in his brain that were making him work, act that way. And that I wasn't enabling him to be a brat. Right. You were accommodating him. But so right. you knew that it's like the curse of knowledge a little bit, right? You know what's right. going on and you could see it at this yeah. point after many years. And so then you run up against the system and they weren't receptive at all. No. And I find by then I had met Jan Latke and Diane Malvin and Teresa yeah. Kellerman. And they had saved Matthew's life many, many times by then. So you're building a network, Matthew, you're struggling with supports and all this learning going on. And then, you know, we fast forward sometime later, Matthew ends up, when did he move from home? When he graduated from high school, when he was 19, he had been in a program at the high school for three years called the Music Arts, Drama and Dance. And he had done had most of his programs modified through that program. Right. And of course, he was born a song and dance man. So he was a real success in that. And after he graduated, we had heard about a program in BC, in Victoria, called the Canadian College of Performing Arts. So we found out when the auditions were and went down there and he auditioned. And there were 500 kids across Canada that auditioned and only 50 selected. And he would select one of the ones selected. And he didn't tell them about his disability till after that. Do you think that in hindsight, good idea, bad idea? Bad idea. So would you suggest, because I know we're going to go over the poster you, you made. You suggest telling schools, sports teams right. about the everybody. Kids that- Yeah, there's a lot of people still in the real world, professionals, advocates, and all sorts of people that still don't get it. And they work in that area and are supposed to be the referral agencies, and they still don't get it. And so it's been very beneficial as Matthew grew up that he became sort of a self-advocate And after he went to college, he worked for the Cowichan Valley FASD team as a youth mentor. And he learned more about himself and his disability from them than he ever learned from anywhere else. Why is that? I think because they passed the knowledge on to him and then he passed it on to other kids. So as it filtered through him, he realized, oh, that's me. And so he's more able now to speak as an advocate for people with FASD because he knows what it's like to not be understood. And he knows that some people just don't get it. And so you got to change the way you do stuff. Oh, that instead of keep hammering them with the info, you just change it up. Yeah, we'll get to that. So, you know, and Matthew has done well. Right. Like, I think it's safe to say with everything that he's been through. And again, people can listen to it on that podcast. Are you proud of him? I am. Not only because he's pretty good at what he does, but because he's proud of himself. He considers himself now a person with a disability. But that doesn't mean he's less than anything else. 
he's a person with a disability and he's great. Would you have pictured, you know, during those first 10 years that this is how he would turn up? No, my experience up to then and a lot since then was that his friends, a lot of them have died in jail, out of jail from drugs, violence, suicide. Those that are still alive are not doing well. So before we get to this poster, because the goal would be to, we're going to talk about all the things you have written on here, because we're going to use all your years of experience and you're going to help people who are listening cut years off of their insanity, right? And that we're going to give them all just so much value in this and and what you've written. What other things have you done in the FASD field, Judy? Because your career spans, what, 40 years? Yeah. When I retired from nursing, I was one of the founding members of the Fetal Alcohol Syndrome Society of Yukon, and I was the executive director for 12 years. We provided one-to-one supports to 50 adults with FASD. Then I retired from that. <laughs> yeah. You've and, been to lots of conferences. Oh, yeah. I've been to all the conferences. Not the one coming up in Norway, though. Are you going there? I don't even know when it is, ma'am. I'm going to oh. first go on a plane to Winnipeg. It's and then in we'll, September. We'll go from there, you know? Okay. We'll go from there. Well, if, you, if anybody gets the opportunity to go there, I would certainly recommend it. because. Oh, well, I did. That- I did go to, I've been to some European conferences. Oh, have you? Yes. Good. So since we first started all this information about FASD, FAS and FAE, whatever it was called in the old days, I think most of us who started that thought that as soon as people heard and knew what it really was, they would just automatically accommodate the kids and understand that this has nothing to do with their fault or their mother's fault, that it's a brain condition and it's impacting every part of their lives and it never goes away. So if people expect years in jail to change somebody, they're in the wrong world for our guys. Yeah. And if, pe- if people can't understand that this is permanent, it never, ever goes away. There's never a day when they can take a day off from having this disability. But it doesn't mean it's a life sentence, though. Well, it is in a way for the people who try to or pretend that they're accommodating them. Because if you can be discharged from a support program because of your behavior, then what the hell good is it? If you can be discharged from supported housing because your behavior is inappropriate or you tell somebody to fuck off, Mm -hmm. if you can end up dead in remand from drug overdoses because the support worker that was supposed to be with you 24 7 left because you kicked him this is not acceptable it means nobody gets it yet does that piss you off like nothing on earth like does it fuel you or does it make you sad well i can't afford to be sad so i'm fueled i guess oh i love it i don't have much time left 
I got to make things different for the kids that are left alive. The kids who didn't get the supports they needed when they were little. Like nowadays, the little kids are actually getting some supports and some of them are appropriate. So it's making a difference to their long-term outcome. I don't know if parents yet realize that those little kids are gonna grow up to be little kids in big bodies that are still gonna need them. But at least they're starting off with in a better frame than right. we did. Absolutely, which is a great segue into you said you wanted to leave something you have created a poster it's called reminders for parents and caregivers and people living with fasd and other neurodevelopmental disorders give me the two-minute story and you and matthew decided to create okay. this well i decided for my 80th birthday that i was going to create a poster for parents and then when i sort of thought about it i thought you know funders are going to want the right words the politically correct words Professionals are going to want their kind of slant to it. So I thought, what the hell? I'll pay for it myself. So I paid for it myself. And it says what I and Matthew and lots of parents in all different countries all over the world have told me over the last 45 years. Ooh, this is awesome. I love this because we're going to go through it. Are you ready? Uh, we're going to go through it and then you're going to just give us the raw honesty here. Like this is if, <laughs> you know, you're sitting in front of a parent, like think about it. You, there are thousands of people listen to this. So this is your absolutely your opportunity to, you know, to help the kids that are still there. Okay. And of course okay. this will be on our blog and you can download it, all that good stuff. FASDsuccess.com slash podcast. Okay. So if you want, I can share my screen here, Judy, so you can see it too. Is that cool, bud? Okay, so number one. So is this in no particular order or is this in um, order? It's sort of in order. Okay, so here's number one. It's in the brain. So don't take behavior or words personally. Judy, I read posts every day in my group. The names are so hurtful. Okay, yeah. so it's one thing to say, don't take the behavioral or words personally. I'm asking you, Judy, how do you manage that? How do you do that? Well, it's pretty easy now because Matthew either says it on the phone and I just gently hang the phone up or <laughs> right, or he emails it to me. And as soon as I see the word fuck, I delete the email. Got it. Got it. It's because you I don't read the rest. Okay, so that's when you're away. But like when he's around, consider the audience here, right? Parents. So right. give them some points because it's hard when your kid who you love looks you in the eye and tells you to go fuck yourself and that you're a horrible parent. Yeah. You know, so. And, and so I say to him, okay, what did I do? Why are you stressed? Yeah. And sometimes he doesn't know. Right. And sometimes he knows right down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> The what you did. And so he'll express it. It's always what I did. So or do you, do you apologize never, or do you offend your, do you offend yourself? No, no, I don't defend myself. There is no defense. If he can't understand what I'm saying or why I'm asking him to do something, it's because I didn't get the message across a long, long, long time ago. Some parent told me that, you know, this kid has brain damage. He can't change. Hopefully, 
yours isn't as bad and you can. Oh, that's it's like and sharp, but it's wise. It's very true because I come from a family of alcoholics. And so I am assuming, and it's definitely true, that myself and all six of my siblings were exposed prenatally to alcohol. Some of us got it a lot worse than the rest. And some of us got pieces that destroyed our ability to maintain relationships or to function in like society, right? Like, like, but the, all yeah. of us got the part that made us employable and hard workers, <laughs> right? Which is what saved you guys. Yes. Okay. So we, we might not be the happiest of elders, but we are still alive and still semi-functioning. Do you think you are on the spectrum? Oh, definitely. Huh. Right, because it goes, the spectrum is all the way from loss of potential, right? right. It's the severe health and cognitive issues. And yeah. you're saying you weren't as effective, you, you were able to make your way through. Right. Right. So then the next thing on your list is can't, not won't. But then you have in bold letter, unconditional love. Every day is a new day. Right. So if you're saying to yourself every day, why won't this kid do this? Why doesn't he learn this? He can tell me what the rules are, but he can't follow them. So don't you get it? He can't follow them. <laughs> so figure out what he can't do, figure out what he can do, and then get somebody else to do the stuff he can't. And it's not critical that he learns how to do his make his bed. Right, Judy, that's hard for parents to get over, right? Because they're trying. I know. Yeah. That's okay. But you're saying I'm 80 years old. I have a 42 year old son. And I'm telling you, learning how to make your bed isn't critical. No. You could have used that time to build a skill. Right. Like Matthew is obsessed with cleaning. And I said to him, How did you ever get to be such a good cleaner? And he said, Because you were. So you modeled, you modeled it. And you I modeled it. it. I okay. didn't even know I was modeling. It. <laughs> so, so then Jude, where does the unconditional love part come in then? It means that eventually you have to face the fact that dying is not the worst thing that will happen to your child. If they have this disability, there are lots of things worse. They might kill somebody. They might kill themselves. They might end up in jail for murder or something, something totally unreasonable. Terrible, terrible things might happen to them because they're so vulnerable, physically, sexually, mentally, financially. All those bad things are going to happen to your kid. The potential for that is enormous. So your job is to keep them safe, as safe as you can. So when Matthew first moved to BC, the first thing I did was buy him a cell phone. But his support worker taught him how to use it. But the rule was that if he didn't phone that support worker every three hours, she called the cops to say he was in danger. 
find him and find out what's happening to him. And you think that's overkill. It saved his life several times. There would have been times where he didn't call and they did find him. Yeah. And he's at the stage now where he doesn't need that degree of supervision. Sure. But he likes it. He likes the fact that Carrie has to answer the phone. <laughs> yeah, it probably makes him feel safe too, right? Yeah. And it's he, knows, he knows that if he has a relapse and he ends up drinking somewhere and forgets where he is, Carrie's going to find him <laughs> somehow. No, that's awesome. The next tip you have here is work on changing the environment. And in bold letters, not the person. Well, he can't change. He's doing the best he can with what he got. You know, his brain may not meet our requirements, but it's all he's got to work with. Amen, sister. And his physical disabilities from the alcohol that impacted the cells as they were forming while he was a fetus make him get tired faster, make his blood sugar drop sooner. Those kinds of things are all looked upon as behavior problems. They're not behavior problems. They're part of his physical disability. And so if we don't learn about what those things are and take steps to intervene, then we're going to blame him for everything. Until he thinks, then he believes it, right? Yeah. And then he eternal. And if he believes it, yeah. if he believes you're going to hurt him, he'll hurt you back first. Right. Right. You know, he lives in a world of fight, flight, or freeze. He doesn't have a calm down face. <laughs> it's it's he either lives, full stop or full He lives so close to panic every moment of his life that anything can trigger that panic. Yeah, that that's fair. So that's why you're saying you have to change the world around him. Yeah. Here's make an, it, uh, here's make an it objection. safer. Make it more understanding. Here's an objection that I hear from parents, Judy. Maybe you have too. Okay, but the world isn't going to be so polite about it, right? So the world I, can fuck off. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. Agreed. We he well, didn't yeah. choose to have this I, disability. We as a community allow women to drink. Right, but I so we as a community allow women to be hurt to live in poverty and to need alcohol to be able to cope with their lives. Right. And I totally agree with that. And so when the parents are saying like, okay, you know, I can make all these accommodations here, but that's not going to happen in the real world. And it is happening in the real world. It's happening for Matthew. It can happen for anybody. You have to be a son of a, you know what? Yeah. Well, I don't censor and, yourself now, Judy. And you have to have, you have to have money. Money can buy a lot of support that nobody else will provide for your kid. Did you do a lot of that out of pocket paying like to? Oh, yes, I still do. That's my job. This is a lifelong job. It never goes away. When I die, I've got life insurance that's going to cover this because he is never going to not live in poverty. People with disabilities don't get rich. Right. No, a hundred percent. And so on to your next point, it's all about the relationships, right? 
you need to change so you can have a relationship with your kid. Yeah. And you need to provide a loving, supportive relationship. And it's your job to make it work. And the best words are fake it till you make it, babe. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like fake liking your kid. Yes. Fake right? loving your kid. While you're learning, right? While you're Think learning. Think about it. I mean, if your kid murders somebody, are you going to love him when he's in jail? Well, uh, are you? I don't know. I would I I'm assuming I would. I'm assuming you would too. Why wouldn't you if your kid has a brain injury? Right. No, fair enough. What about like, you know, you tend to jump to murder, which is fine because I know you're trying to say or like, sexual assaults or right. all but what about even our relationships or what about relationships with building relationships with others like right. people at the school and in terms of I advocacy. found and maybe it's just I'm old and bitchy, but no, no, I love it. Please bring it. I didn't form relationships at the school because everyone thought I was enabling his bad behavior. And, you know, there was only so much you can do. And so I worked on my relationship with him and to hell with the rest of the world. Good answer. Good answer. Because having a good relationship has saved him and you said that you've mentioned job and stuff, but do you still find that you have that bond and you enjoy that relationship? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. I just got back on Monday night from a week with him. It was the best visit we've had in years. Because, yeah, because I've seen you guys yuck it up. Like you guys are chucking, you know, you're having laughs. Yeah. So the next one is structure, supervision and support. Well, those are the words I learned from Jan Lutke at the first conference I went to. (laughs) And they are as important today as they were when he was three. So, you know, got to know that supervision looks different as he gets older and becomes more supportive. And he builds his own structure now because he knows if he doesn't fill his time with safe activities, He'll fill them with frustration and other things. <laughs> right. So because he knows himself too at this point. Right. Yeah. Is that, I guess it compounds on your next one in big, bold letters, build on strengths. Yeah. And he has so many strengths and every person I've ever met with FASD has so many strengths that all you have to do is drop those weaknesses by the side, make somebody else do those things for him. And just use his strengths. Matthew's an actor, a singer, a dancer. He can perform in front of a pro, an audience like nothing on earth. Yeah, he's great. So, you know, he has a lot of good things going for him. And the stuff he doesn't, he can't do. So somebody else will do it. How long did it take you to realize that? To a go long like- time. I so think you're that- like, I'm safe. Whoever's listening to this. I'm saving you years and years and years and years. So if yes. your kid isn't good at math, you know, don't get them 10 hours a week in tutoring. Right. Like, teach them how to use the calculator on their Matthew cell phone. still doesn't do math or money. And yet he works in a cafe where the boss deliberately hires people with disabilities. Yeah, that's where awesome. she stands beside them when Uh, they take the orders well and that's a good where she tells people 
her cafe is called the kinder cup for a reason oh that is sweet i guess that segues into the next one you have do alongside rather than independence and do that often over their lifetime right lots of people especially people in the disability field like to focus on independence yeah, because they think that's the ultimate reward. Right. And that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to keep them alive. So the way to do that, if you have to show them over and over, is to work beside them. You know, yeah. I've seen job coaches all over the world that give a list to the person with the disability and say, okay, this is what you have to do today. I'll be sitting over there. That's not how they learn how to do it. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Then you say, this is one where people get stuck. Reasoning is difficult because of structural or functional brain differences. Like reasoning with Matthews, you mean like reasoning with an individual on the spectrum? Right. He gets very stressed by the news and by things on social media that imply that someone's out there trying to hurt people and stuff like that so we need to remember that alcohol is a solvent so it causes cell development to happen differently yeah that it moves cells in the brain and elsewhere during fetal development that means that the the body can't do its job the way it's supposed to If we have trillions of brain cells and 10 are in the wrong spot, that moves the whole brain to a different way. And each person is going to have a different structural difference, depending on how much alcohol, when, during the fetal development, all those kinds of things. So you can't even say, okay, here's the plan. Each person has to be individually figured out and helped in the way they need. Agreed. Then you have, because then you have develop and manage routines across the whole day and night. And I I can picture Matthew helping with this and going every day and night in in capital (laughs) letters. Right. So here's my interpretation. It's not just creating a routine from when they wake up to lunchtime. It's like, even when they go to bed every day, every night. Yeah. Like he'll come home from a stressful day at work and he'll phone me and he'll say, I'm going to have a bath and then I'm going to have a nap and I might call you later. (laughs) But he knows, he knows what he needs to do, right? To decompress. He's figured a lot of that out by himself. Yeah. But he needed the environment to be able to make it to that point. Right. Yeah. And one of the things he learned at the Canadian College of Performing Arts is professionalism at work. And so when he has stress at work and stuff, he never shows it. But then he hangs on to it. Uh-huh. And he gets home and he starts phoning his all of his support workers, me, anybody else he can think of. <laughs> That's awesome. Because he's got those people. So you know, yeah. this isn't on the list, but what do you do to have the energy? Because that takes energy to listen to that. It does. And I have a little thing taped up above my <laughs> computer that is, I read it in a book about dying. 
And the words are, please forgive me. I forgive you. Thank you. I love you. And goodbye. That's what and you those, say. Those are all you really need to say. Say that again. Please forgive me or I'm sorry. I forgive you. Thank you. I love you. Goodbye. It's nice. And it's supposed to be, it's supposed to give you a better death. And when I look at all the people I've annoyed throughout my life, there's a few of them that I might get that written up in a card and send to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're the best. You've never changed. Okay, here we go. Give clear, simple directions, one step at a time. Right. Matthew can't do more than one step at a time. As he says, I don't multitask. So there's no point in telling him to do three or four things. He can't remember them. He won't do them. And then everybody will be mad. Okay. So what do you do then? Do you give him an instruction? And does he, would he like come back to you and say, okay, I did that? And then they use No, next? you have to be alert and notice when it's time to add the next one. Oh, so you almost have to watch. And yeah. then pick up when he's done. Yeah, you, ne you never get to sit down and relax. That's not what this game is about. <laughs> okay, okay. No, that's good. And again, you said lifelong support will look different over time. Right. So just give me a small example of like support when he was a kid to compare to now. Well, when he was a kid, it was usually somebody actually with him. And now he's more likely to be able to talk something out with one of his support workers Got it. and the support worker will give suggestions of what he could try that might work. And he might know right away, no, that won't do it. Or yeah, you know, I could do that. Well, I suppose. <laughs> okay. You know, a lot of people, especially family members have received the fuck you emails Yes. and choose not also. to, <laughs> choose not to have anything to do with him anymore right well he feels really isolated by that and he's forgotten those words within 20 minutes and he's forgotten the whole confrontation and so he just can't get it why they can't get past that yeah like and he's I, over it and why aren't they yeah yeah and, you know, let's face it, they're supposed to be the adults. Why the hell can't they get past it? Mm, true, true story. True story. The next one, you got use visuals rather than words. Well, he likes posters. When he first meets a social worker or something, they all talk about what you plan for the future. And so his support workers have worked with him to develop collages every year about what the plan for this year is. Okay. And so he cuts things out of magazines yep. and he makes a collage of, okay, we're gonna go to Hawaii in September. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. We're gonna do that. And maybe I'm gonna save some money and you know, things like that. And he posts those in his bedroom until he can check them off. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But he needs to know when his payday is. So he has a monthly calendar right. that hangs on the wall. One of those great big office ones. Yeah. Not a whiteboard, though. 
and he writes each like water bit plants, feed the plants on the third Monday, all this stuff. Uh, what day he gets his paycheck, what day he has to have his social assistance paperwork in, and it just keeps him on track for what he can expect. And then he has a whiteboard with things to do on it. <laughs> but, but it's almost like you can't store it in the brain, so it has to be exposed. Right. It's stored on the dining room wall. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Here's a good yeah. one, Judy. When behaviors escalate, step back, give space and time, and then increase support, not consequences. Right. Natural consequences are the worst things that can happen to your kid. Because the natural consequence of telling somebody to fuck off is they never speak to you again. Right. Is that what the required outcome is going to be? We don't want that. You know, people used to say to me in the old days, you know, you don't have to drive him everywhere. He could walk. Walk and get lost. Walk and get mugged. Walk, walk and, and get... meet somebody that he thinks is a buddy. And then, right. Yeah. You know, that's not an option. Not in my world anyway. So you need to enable success as much as possible because yes. there's enough failures in their lives just by getting up in the morning. And conse grounding, consequencing. That's all crap. <laughs> right. Because the point of that is to make the consequence so harsh that when they're in that moment again, they remember the pain from the consequence and they make another but decision. But it doesn't happen. But yeah. it just doesn't work just because of the way their brain All they works. learn is that, oh, nobody loves me. Yeah. Nope. That's a harsh truth. You have yeah. supervise well. I like this. This is very insightful. Supervise well, but with their input as to how to set up and enable lots of positive social interactions. So well, Matthew we, taught me that one. <laughs> right. But that's so you have a good relationship. You know, there's supervision, but there's some choice and he wants some autonomy. Right. right. But he knows he needs somebody around. That's what he's talking about. Right. Right. And one way we did that was that I pay for the cell phone so that there is never going to be a moment in his life when his phone does not work. Because of not being paid. Right. Right. Because I see kids day by day whose phone didn't work in an emergency. That's fair. And then in the next one, you tell people they were telling you you were enabling. And now on your next point, you say enable and reward success. That's our job. We want them to have success. And the only way to get it is to enable it. Well, listen, but isn't it then they're just manipulating you, Judy? No, they're not. They don't have that brain power. <laughs> Well, you're spot on the amount of steps and executive functioning required right. to manipulate. I tell people like it, it was taught to me, you feel manipulated, but you're not manipulated. If our guys were able to manipulate, yeah, they, that means they'd get away. They have it. a much better world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. They get away with it. So then what do you mean by this? So I understand anticipate problems and reduce demands. So well, like when you see a like problem, I know, I know that when Matthew's coming home for Christmas, He's going to have a blowout the week before because he's wondering what's going to happen. Right. Who's he going to see while he's home? What's he going to buy for everybody's Christmas present? Who's yep. going to come for Christmas dinner? What if the flight's bumpy? What if I don't? A million things that could he could. And so he anticipates all this stuff. 
right. then he blows out. So as support workers know that's going to happen, and I know that's going to happen. So when it happens, we just say, yeah, we knew that. And so we give him lots of support and take away any demands that we have of him, like he doesn't have to find out what time the airport bus leaves. Somebody does that for him. He buys his ticket and gets on and goes. Yeah, because you've taken away all that stuff. So he doesn't right. have to worry about it. So if you just reduce the demands when you know he's going to be stressed anyway. No, I agree. I agree. This is, Judy, not that I'm surprised, but it's like some of this stuff is you can tell you've been around, you know, <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. That, that could sound the other way, too, but you know what I'm yeah. talking about. OK, I'm going to start right. digging a hole here. OK, the next one is give lots of attention and they're not attention seeking. Right. People with FASDs and other brain injuries often function amongst emotionally at a much lower age, at the age of a teenager or even younger, so that when you've figured out where their developmental age is emotionally, you can expect them to ask younger and need more positive attention. You know, Matthew needs a lot of naps. He needs rest. He needs snacks rather than a big meal. His likes and dislikes are more around a teenager's likes and dislikes. Right. So don't expect them to function emotionally as an adult. That opportunity passed in his mother's womb. Right. So if he could, he would, but yep. he can't. And that's why you have the, like, I like to phrase it, is he attention seeking or is he support seeking? Yeah. You know, and what do developmentally younger kids do? They want support, right? Yeah. They want mom and dad and right. they're overwhelmed and scared. Yeah. You and know, Diane Malvin used to talk about all the time about the seven-year-old kid who couldn't function at school because he should have been in still in daycare having a nap. Yeah. Dr. Jackie Pye says, ask yourself, is it a mean brain or a scared brain? Yeah. Yeah. Just different ways to look at it. You've already touched on this, but if they cannot do it, they cannot do it. Move on to something new or get somebody else to do it for them. Yeah. Yeah. Plain, plain. Here's the next one. Okay. Don't beat yourself up or them up. And I'm sure this is both metaphorically. Some days are hard for everybody. <laughs> You hope. <laughs> yeah. Don't beat yourself or them up. Some days are hard for everyone and some days are wonderful. So just yeah. because you have one day doesn't mean that's going to lead to the rest of the week is going to be shit or the next. Right. Two. Because, you know, every day is a new day for them and you, if you can do it. Yeah. 100, 100. Okay. You got a, just a few more left. You've been doing great, by the way. Stress makes life worse. Theirs and yours. Yeah. Your stress and worry can make their life hell. <laughs> For us, it really, my stress was sort of an impetus to figure out how to keep him safe and alive and find what made that happen. I did not receive many government supports or professional supports while he was growing up. But I did find families that helped a lot, daycare staff that took him on when 
he needed daycare in high school. The worker quit her job and stayed home with him to look after him. And he still is in contact with her on a weekly basis. So there's lots of good people out there. You don't need professionals to look after your kids. You need people to love them and keep them safe. Yeah, well done. These are all mic drop moments here. <laughs> there are a lot. Here's your last one. There are lots of different supports in the world. Try them all. Try them till you find what works for you and your family. Yeah, there's lots of good people out there. I know I only say bad things, but that's because, you know, I don't have six hours here. <laughs> right, right, right. right. So no, you want to get to the point for sure. Lots of good people doing lots of good things. Are you hopeful for the future of like recognition of FAS? Is well, it you know, the more I hear about reconciliation, the more I think that we don't need to focus so much specifically on FASD as on building communities that can support people with safe housing, with less poverty, and with love and acceptance. I believe that FAS is endemic and that it's changed the world over the last thousand years. And so what we're doing by focusing specifically on it as a disability may be a disservice because our kids are fairly typical of a large percent of the population. Right. Well, so yeah, no longer minority for sure. Right. And so I believe if we can address the systemic problems, we can help these guys a lot. And they love to be loved. My work at the food bank is so rewarding because these guys come in. Hi, Judy. I've known these kids since they were babies. They've had terrible concerns throughout their lives, but they've had some good times too. And they want to share with people who like them. That's all you have to do, like them. Is that so hard to do? I think it comes down to the expectations and the loss of hopes and dreams that when a parent adopts or fosters or even has a kid of what this is going to look like when they're older. Yeah. And that's not it. So I think that's some built in resentment. That's what happens, right? I guess. But I think I do hear that in some places like Ontario and BC are doing pre-adoption training an FASD. And sure, that means some people won't take a kid with FASD, but that's better than a breakdown later. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. And if you do take a kid with FASD, you have to have your eyes open. This is a child with a disability, no different than any other disability. Because you can see your child's disability at birth doesn't make it a better disability to have than a hidden disability. It just makes it harder to understand. Yeah, you don't have to say anymore, my man. Like, would you say like a lot of it, looking back, let a lot of things go? It's like not a big deal. Like now that you look, he's 42, and maybe the shit you worried about when he was younger right. 
is yeah. like just love this kid you know and, and yeah keep him safe and support keep him, him safe yeah I think my community expectations were so great because you know as a nurse you believe that the person comes into the hospital from a community that cares about them and that will accommodate them but as I'm now a senior, I realize the community doesn't give a good goddamn about it. So. Are you talking about individuals with disabilities or even like seniors? Even like seniors. Like there's a lot of talk about all the supports that are available for seniors. What a joke. <laughs> but do you take that same attitude to like your own life then? Yes. If you've been promised to support, you just speak up and you say you know, WTF, where is it? Yeah. Or like when Matthew wanted to go to that fancy college, because he was a Yukon resident, he didn't qualify for support services in BC. So I had to sell my house to hire those supports. Well, one of those support workers is still working with him. Don't you think that was worth it? Do you? I do. What well, kind of a house was it anyway? Then it's worth it. <laughs> for peace of mind and knowing that he has somebody on his team for that many yeah. years. Yeah. Would you have done this all over again? I would have done it differently. Like what? Yes, I would. Like give me just a couple things you would have done differently. I would have bought more life insurance before my blood pressure went up. Oh, before you, Oh, they're like the qualification thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good tip. Yeah. What else? And I would have probably, pushed a little harder for the supports he needed in school. He did have a fairly positive school experience compared to a lot of kids I know. But he liked school. He did, and they liked him, yeah. which yeah. was great. Yeah, he's not hard to not like. <laughs> he's not hard. He's a, good, he's a good kid. And I say kid, he's older than me, but he's a good person. I talk to him often. This was very insightful, Judy. What's next? Well, I still have to get my book ready for my niece who's going to be, my, you know, the lady in the will who manages the money. Oh, uh, yeah. Estate, like the trustee. Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. yeah. So I have to get the book ready for her. I've already given her a page of things Matthew will need. So are we talking? That. So when I say what's in the future, are you just like end of life preparing? Well, I need to be ready. No, that's but fair. But what I'm not planning to leave anytime soon. Right. So what else besides, you know, and I think you're being planful, which is great. But what about the living part? What are you doing? Well, I'd like to go to the conference in Norway. <laughs> oh, well, let's put that out there into the world. And I would like to see conferences again in BC. Yeah, they there's some good stuff there. happening in Ontario. And there's some good things happening in some of the other provinces, but there's also some bad things happening in jails and stuff like that with our kids. Some of our kids are in real serious trouble mm -hmm. and there's nobody to help them. But there's Judy. Well, I don't know. I can't do much for people that are locked up in jails and stuff like that. Well, you just talk to people, you give them the real goods. You give them the real goods, Judy. And that's what you do. And that's what you've always done. And I can't believe, like, I think it was the very first conference I ever spoke at. You and Matthew were there. You know, that's like 12 years ago. 
Well, see, it's really good for me to know you're out there, you and people like Marianne Bankowski yeah. and all the people that are gathering around trying to make a difference for these families. I think we really need to focus on supporting families. The research we need is not necessarily about how hard it is for the families because it's hard. Let's not you know, you don't, you can't change that. Right. It's hell. But so is it hell to have a child with any other disability. People have to accommodate and they change their expectations and they change their life plans. And if they can do it, we can do it. 100. Are you planning to come back to Ontario? I know you've been back a few Yes, times. I'm coming in two weeks. <laughs> Dude, are you in Burlington? Yeah, Burlington. Well, you know what you're going to have to do then, Judy, is just convince them to bring me back up to the Yukon. I thought yeah, that, I'm trying. I thought, that went, I thought that went really well. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, no, you're the best, dude. Any last words of advice before we move on for the people that are listening? Well, there's lots of times when I was burnt out completely and I tried to give him back when he was 10. Don't do that. The hardest thing I think would be to have him go to jail. I would do anything in my power to keep him out of jail. So that's the only advice I can give you. He did go to a group home once overnight when he tried to get me. And he came home the next day from school and said, they put me in a room with someone who smokes. I could die from that. (laughs) Never again, mom. Never again. Uh, awesome. This was delightful, Judy, man. I just appreciate you taking the time. Guys, if you want to get this poster, you can go to our website and you can download it. FASDsuccess.com slash podcast. Will you come back and do this again? Sure. Anytime. You're the best. God bless Judy Pekosdi. Judy, thank you so much for doing this. Guys, listen, if you want a copy of the poster, go to FASDsuccess.com slash podcast. It would be the uh, the most recent episode. But if not, you could just there's a search bar and you could just put in Judy and it'll be on the blog. We put a blog out for every single one of our guests. She's bang on, man. How can you argue with 40 some odd years of experience? Because you can't. You might not like the way she says things for some people. Well, too bad, so sad. I just think sometimes, you know, like also when I talked to Donna DeBolt in episode 100, her give a F meter isn't very high, right? So at that point, you're just over trying to be proper and just whatever you feel. I can appreciate that 100%. So let's go over a few. I'm not going over everything because we just literally went through that whole poster. But what I do want to do is just go through a couple of things that stood out. For example... When Judy said, by the time he was 10, I realized that if we were going to stay together, something had to change, and it wasn't going to be him, obviously, so I became a different person. It's a bummer to realize, but it's the 100% the truth. When you change, your kids change, things around you change, and I know you think, I don't want to change. I don't want to do all this work, but that's the way it works, and that's how you're going to make things work. It is by seeing your loved one differently, by reacting differently, by taking care of yourself differently. I think she was spot on with this one. So I was asking what the issue was. She said there was lots of arguing, unrealistic expectations of him, 
but also unrealistic expectations of the systems that they would provide for him, that they would modify things and understand that it was his brain and that I wasn't enabling him. And that is not the case, right? We would love for doctors and professionals, all these people to understand FASD, but the fact is they have never been taught for the majority, don't at me. There's some really good people out there, but for the most part, and especially you know, back in the day, she expected things from him, expected things from the professionals, and that wasn't the case. I also loved what she said. She said, I think as most of us thought, as soon as people here know about what fetal alcohol really is, they would just automatically accommodate the kids and understand that this has nothing to do with them. It's not their fault. It's not their mother's fault that it's a brain condition. I often say the same thing. Like, if people really knew what was going on, they would roll out the red carpet for our kids. They would roll out the red carpet for you if they really knew what was up. Another awesome point, like, so I said, hey, what do you say when parents say the world isn't going to be so nice or be so accommodating? And her, her response was the world could F off. Like, so I put it a little bit differently. <laughs> I put it a little bit differently. Now, I hear this often too. You know, the world's not going to be so kind. You know, they're going to get punished. You know, that might be true. But at least if we can at first create a stable home environment, they'll have a better chance of learning those skills that they need to be successful in the community. So it all starts at home, right? We know, and if you do not know, the number one success factor for an individual with FASD is a stable placement, 100%. So let's start with having a stable placement at home and then we can go from there. I love that she said you need to enable success as much as possible because there's enough failure in their lives. You know, it starts as soon as they get up in the morning. We have to make sure they can. We have to make them be successful because that breeds competence. And when you get competence, you get compliance and you get individuals who are willing to take more risks and try new things because they have success elsewhere. The reason why your kids don't want to say no to everything is one of the reasons is that, you know, they failed so often. They say, F it. Why should I even try? And you know what? You would do the exact same thing. And I think one of the biggest Okay, so I'll say it. The biggest point she made that I 100% agree with, she made it a few times during the interview, is they have strengths, foster those, the things that they're not good at, have somebody else help them do it. We have to remember that those struggles aren't character-based, they're brain-based. So let's get them excited about what they're good at so we can create a useful future for them by getting them help with the things that they're not really good at. And I know that's also involved because getting them to buy in. But if your narrative right from day one is that it's okay to get help, it will be a lot easier for them to accept help when they are older. Because that is the goal. The goal is to create good adults, good human beings. And you could do that. The research is out there. The communities are out there. Things are out there. It is not like it was back when Judy first started. So please, please take some of these nuggets that she bestowed upon us and don't wait for 45 years to have to learn these lessons yourself. I want you and your family to thrive and to win and to have fulfilling lives. But in order to do that, things must look different. They are going to look different. They have to. They have to. 
And if they aren't different and the accommodations aren't there, the statistics will remain the same. And I don't want that because look how hard you're working. You're listening to this. This is an hour 20. And if you're at this point, man, you want things to be different. You want things to be better. You have hope for the future for your kid. And you should. You should. And you do that by listening to other people who have been there. You don't have to listen to everything. You pick and choose what you think would work for you, but just strongly consider what she said. That's 45 years of not taking any more guff. And you could say, oh, that's because she's old and rigid. Uh Uh-uh. She has just no more time for shit. And neither should you. Because you're a good person. You are a good parent. And, you know, your kid can't do it without you. Your kids can't do it without you. You are valued member of your family. You are the captain of this ship. And we need you. We need you. I need you. I need you to keep listening. I need you to keep being awesome. I need you to keep kicking ass. But also, you know what also I need you to do is follow us on Instagram. (laughs) Oh, Nelly. But no, seriously, follow us on Instagram. Listen. I love you. I love what you're doing. I might not be able to physically see you, but I know how hard you're grinding and I know how badly you want this and keep hanging on, keep grinding and just make sure you're connecting with us. Make sure you're connecting with us. And one way to do that is you can email me, jeff at fasdforever.com and let me know, was there any takeaways? Like, let's keep chatting. Let's connect. Did any of this lessons sink in? Did anything she say give you some food for thought and some aha moments? Let me know. Until then, you know, we're just going to keep rolling. We got another awesome episode next week. Keep up the good work. Again, I love your face. You can do it. Have a kick-ass week and I'll see you back here next time. All right. Until then, bye. Bye.